So welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. This is John Murphy. It's my pleasure to welcome to this podcast Diana Janich, who is an Associate Professor of Pharmaceutics at the Graduate School of Pharmaceutical Science at Duquesne University. Welcome, Dr. Janich. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So you have a variety of interests in terms of your research lab. Perhaps we can begin this discussion by you sharing some highlights of activities and direction. My lab is housed in the Graduate School of Pharmaceutical Sciences at Duquesne University. I've been there since 2009. And our primary focus is treatment and imaging of inflammation. Inflammation coming from injury, infection, cancer growth. And over the years, we start to focus more on inflammation that causes pain. I'm also founder and co-director of Chronic Pain Research Consortium, that is interdisciplinary organization at Duquesne University. It was founded in 2011, and since 2011, my own lab focus became more towards chronic pain and trying to understand pain mechanisms, but also develop new treatments for pain. So our lab is uh, part of what is designated as discipline of pharmaceutics. So my PhD students will get a PhD in pharmaceutics, so the focus is on formulation and nanomedicine. But we are the multidisciplinary lab, so we engage in chemistry, cell biology, and some studies, both ourselves and with collaborators. We have a list of collaborators in Duquesne University, here in McGowan, across the ocean, and all over the country, and we are very blessed because they contribute joint projects and we have very lively interaction with them. The work so far has been funded by NIH. We have two grants, one from National Institute of Drugs of Abuse, that one is fully present at Duquesne University, and then we have a collaborative grant from NIBIB with Professor Caroline Anderson from University of Pittsburgh. Both grants are focused on the nanotechnology towards either drug delivery and treatment of pain and inflammation. That's the first one. And the second one, mostly developing new imaging agents for inflammation. So if I understand the subject of inflammation a bit, I have the impression that there's good inflammation and bad inflammation. Is that correct? Yes, that's actually the trick of the game. The nanotechnology we're developing is geared towards directing inflammation rather than only reducing it because you need some some mechanisms are necessary for wound healing for recovery from injury or infection so you don't want to wipe it out so to speak but the inflammation that is more difficult to treat and that's where most of our technology is geared towards is the one that turns chronic that turns bad That one has been associated with anything from cardiovascular diseases to obesity to cancer growth and, of course, to chronic pain development, especially post-injuries. So neuroinflammation is one of our lab's primary focus when we are dealing with pain, and that inflammation has less well-understood mechanistic targets, which were druggable. So what our lab is doing is taking some well-known medicines and reposition them using targeted drug delivery to reach the specific cells involved in inflammation and then direct those cells to do good, not bad. So in terms of this subject, where is the state of the art 
for pain control? Pain control, especially for chronic pain, engages medicines like opioids, antidepressants, anticonvulsives, and to some extent non-steroidals, steroids. So a lot of these medicines are delivered systemically. They have central side effects, they have peripheral side effects. And we are very good at treatment of acute pain. You know, we can help people recover after surgery. The problem is a lot of patients present with side effects very quickly after the pain continues to be chronic. And it's very important to understand that there are very large number of types of chronic pain depending on what the insult originally was. And chronic pain is not a static target. It's a very dynamic target. So certain treatments might work well at the beginning, and then you have to continue to change and adapt. So the focal point of a lot of NIH interest right now is acute to chronic pain transition. What happens from the point of injury forward that helps pain becomes chronic? And there is a lot of mechanisms being considered, some central, some peripheral. Our lab focus was on peripheral. What happens in the milieu of cells that infiltrate sites of injury, sites of infection, and which of these cells, so to speak, go rogue? So we're kind of the starting point, at least based on NIH abstracts out there, who started to look at pain and inflammation as the target for targeted drug delivery. So we hold the precedent for the first therapeutic and diagnostic nanoparticle towards pain treatment. What we are hoping to spark is a new field that will be basically pain nanomedicine. Ask others to join us into forces and use the technology that we know works well in targeting cancer and target inflammation, target injured neurons to be able to help in some way prevent chronic pain. So there is a lot of medicines out there, and there is a lot of attention right now, both deserved and undeserved, negative and positive, towards opioids, towards a lot of pain medicines. They're actually incredibly good. Using them long term is a problem. So the theme of our NIDA grant right now is to treat inflammation where it happens to diminish or decrease the need for opioids for chronic pain. So working in that area, so far we're not as aware of others looking there, so we want others to look there too. So in terms of this concept of drug delivery, you, uh, I believe, have the capability or exploring the capability for both liquid and semi-solid dosage forms. Does this technology permit a targeted delivery to different parts of the body? Yes, exactly. We are developing targeted delivery agents for specific cell types to try to very precisely modulate inflammation at the site of injury or infection or cancer growth. The agents that we have are targeted delivery agents. They're supplied with a variety of imaging modalities to help us see where they go and are they doing what they're supposed to do. But we also have interest to advance the whole concept of theranostics, therapeutic and diagnostic, to other dosage forms. So we are exploring options of 
hydrogels and other types of delivery systems where on more of a macro scale rather than nanoscale, we can do the same thing, use imaging to tell us whether the delivery system is operating at an optimum and ultimately personalized treatment for you and me, even if we had the same condition, our inflammation throughout the body will be very different in its level and it's in cellular milieu. So the idea is to use these theranostic dosage forms to go after inflammation and after pain where it happens. So it's a targeted approach, not only targeted in a spatial context, but targeted in a time context. Most inflammatory pain or neuropathic pain ups and downs over a day, but also it changes over time in the person's body depending on what they were eating and how they were. So today your elbow hurts a little bit more on the left and the right one is a little less. The idea is that the drugs will follow that. The delivery system will follow where the trouble is. And that's a very unique concept. And it's one of those things that you think it's a great idea until you get into the detail to, to figure out how to do it. So one of our strategies is to go after the immune system. But I'm sure there are other strategies that could be explored. Because the immune system, again, follows the trouble. We follow the immune system. And then modulating that, we hope to modulate pain. It's a very interesting concept. So I noticed that you're doing some work with nanoemulsions. Can you briefly describe a nanoemulsion? So nanoemulsions are a nano-sized colloid. A nanoemulsion, if you imagine a salad dressing with a very small size of the droplets and very stable droplets. So nanoemulsions are soft nanoparticles. They're easily produced on scale. They can be produced with variety of FDA are already approved for use in humans excipients so and they're fairly well understood behavior of nanomulsion in the body there actually are nanomulsions out there which are the nano droplet size less than a micron they're used for parental feeding of infants so we're taking advantage of this nanotechnology being already fairly developed and then re-engineering it for our purpose. The big interest of our lab is not only to engineer nanosystems that are cool and can do different things, but there's a huge focus on scalability and also translation. So you can make a cool nanoparticle, but if you only can make half a gram, to scale that up can be costly or more, maybe even impossible. What nanoemulsions give you is opportunity of fairly well understood processes to scale up and then prepare for future clinical use. So we are trying to design with a scale in mind. We don't design things just from the functional perspective but also translational perspective. So this is some very interesting and pioneering work. Can you, br- you. briefly give us an indication of where the, the technology development is? Is this something that might be available for clinical use in a year, 10 years? answer to that question depends on a lot of external factors <laughs> like funding and opportunities but we are happy to share with you that thanks to the work of our collaborators like Caroline Anderson, John Pollock, Ed Duquesne and many others the data is incredibly promising so my internal wish 
is that this becomes available to people within three to five years, hopefully sooner. So we are pursuing avenues to seek funding for the development that will lead towards a human application. But as I said, there's a lot of external factors that feed into that process. So we feel very confident after fairly broadly applicable approach to treat many inflammatory diseases with fairly cool and accessible technology. So I noticed that one of the target areas uh, that you have, have on your list is inflammatory bowel disease. Why is that one applicable to this particular therapeutic approach? Well, inflammatory bowel disease is probably our not fully developed project at this point. We only started to get some pilot data. But inflammatory bowel disease functions in a very similar way. It's an inflammation-driven process. So that's one of the areas we're expanding into. So I don't have enough current data to tell you where we stand there, but that project was actually initiated by my pharmacy student, Robert Tunney. For that project, we are developing more of the traditional dosage forms that are inflammation targeted. So I'll be able to tell you more about it once we are a little bit further along. But again, any inflammatory disease is our interest, whether it's GI related or any kind of other reason. Very interesting. Dr. Yonich, I understand that you are leading the Chronic Pain Research Consortium. Can you tell us a little bit about that, please? Thank you for asking about the Chronic Pain Research Consortium. I co-lead that with John Pollock from Biological Sciences at Duquesne University. Two of us are co-directors. The idea of founding a group to study chronic pain kind of came early 2011 because I lived with chronic pain. So a lot of inflammation research that I mentioned to you today has been inspired by some experiences I had then. So I approached John and several other faculty across campus and asked them to consider coming together and studying chronic pain in some capacity. We have two other faculty who are on the leadership team, Ben Colbert and Kevin Tidgewell, and four of us have been facilitating very unique interdisciplinary work that we don't think would have been possible without the group. So the group is now engaging 25 faculty across campus. We have representatives from six schools. We have been fully supported and funded by the provost in 2014, but we are the home of one of the first pain undergraduate research experience programs, and we are the home on several firsts, one of them being the pain nanomedicine that I was referring to, but many other projects. We have School of Nursing representation, psychology, law, ethics, a pharmacy school with the large representation, biological sciences, chemistry. And the leading idea was that chronic pain being extremely complex and a holistic problem, we can only address it by having as many disciplines work together as possible. So anyone who had any interaction with a person in pain, whether it's through a spiritual practice or through physical therapy or through medical practice or through research, the idea is to bring them together. So we have celebrated our fifth anniversary last summer 
We have been closely collaborating with people from McGowan Institute, and we are blessed to have got some inspiration from this institution for our, our moving forward. And we have been very blessed at Duquesne University being a very good ground of already existing collaborative atmosphere where we could just operate very easily from ground up. So there are several other consortia being formed based on our model, and so we are very proud of that. So we've been helping others do collaborative research. So the mantra in some way for the starting group was to bring people to chronic pain research that would not necessarily think their work is related and then bring them together and support them to find this unique niche for the joint project. So I used to tell people that even though your research is not in pain per se, there's a lot of the things you do that can contribute spectacularly to pain research. So we are a consortium and we have graduate students and undergraduates who work for a lot of faculty and many of their projects will be highly collaborative. For example, my students will have consortium members on their committees, I will serve on others, and we also have strong education undercurrent that's been incredibly well supported by NIH. John Pollock has a large grant to support educational outreach. In essence, this group has been the home and foundation for some of the ideas that my lab has been pursuing since that year 2011 and more and more going into pain research rather than staying in cancer research or inflammation alone. So it's a multidisciplinary consortium. That's right. Sounds very interesting. We see lots of progress all across many areas with multidisciplinary teams. Yeah, we are very, very happy that we've been functioning for five years. We have uh, joint journal clubs. We have a lot of interaction between faculty that the consortium facilitates on daily basis. And now, since we've been there for five years, I feel it's becoming a little bit seamless. And that's a good place to be. Agreed. Dr. Yannis, thank you for sharing uh, your progress and your status of your research. Do you have any other thoughts you want to share with us before we wrap up? Well, I would like to thank you for having me. Um, I also want to thank my graduate students, current and former, and many undergrads, PharmD students in particular, who inspired a lot of work. And um, I want to thank all our collaborators for daily contributions with idea and work. We don't work alone, and that's the biggest blessing of my career. And we've been incredibly happy to share what we do with many good people across Pittsburgh region and outside of it. Well, thank you. We will post on the podcast website a link to your website for those listeners who may want to explore in more detail your pioneering studies. I'd like to thank our listeners for joining us today. I'd like to thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine for sponsoring this podcast series. If you want to reach us, you can reach us at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>